Welcome to another edition of the Be Atento podcast, uh, where we are taking time to share some Tulsa stories with you, as well as some ecosystem building stories. And we are delighted to have our next guest with us today. She is a native of Tulsa, and she is has a wonderful history, which she's going to take us through a little bit today. And she's just a delightful person. She's one of the one of the few people, first people rather, to welcome us as we came in here into Tulsa and we are excited for the work that she is doing and and all the different endeavors that she's putting our hands to. And so I bring you none other than the amazing Ashley Sims. Ashley, welcome to the Be Atento podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to uh, start us off with some some easy softball questions, if that's all right. Give us the Ashley Sims story. The Ashley Sims story. Well, first of all, it's really interesting to be back in front of a mic like this. I have flashback of my reporter days. So I did grow up here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to high school here. Went to Booker T. Washington High School. Booker T. Booker T. Everybody, everybody, right? Uh, uh, Hornets everywhere. Yeah. Gotta have that Hornet love. <laughs> When I was in high school, I was approached pretty much from the first day by my the speech and debate coach. Hmm. And he talked to me for about three minutes and he was like, I want you on my team. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that really kind of set the course of my life, that same speech and debate coach who saw something in me. And really, that was like the orientation night. That was even before school started. Wow. He just saw something in me and really encouraged me. So I was on the speech and debate team. And then at, or some people might not remember this. This is true Tulsa folks, some mm-hmm. true Tulsa insight right now. Uh, Many, many moons ago, they had a public access channel and they called it Tulsa School Life. Mm -hmm. And they had students from Tulsa Public Schools anchoring a little news program once a week. And that same debate coach said, you're applying for this. And so I got to, that was my first brush with news, my first brush with television news and production. And so as a high school junior, senior, I got to, you know, be part of a production team and and do a news um, program with Mm -hmm. a bunch of other students. And so I kind of fell in love at that point with it was like a long form kind of a show where we did like news bulletins and then we would interview leaders from Tulsa Public Schools. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And because of that experience, because of my experience with speech and debate, I really looked to journalism. I loved writing. I loved storytelling. And so I applied for Northwestern University, Medill School of Journalism, got in, had to uh, convince my parents to let me go. (laughs) (laughs) We've all had that talk, right? Right. (laughs) But I made it happen. The trick there was I took my dad to see the university instead of my mom. Mm. My mom is very pragmatic and practical and also frugal to the point of being almost cheap and my dad on the other hand a little more of a dreamer oh yeah yeah so i took him with me to school to see the campus and he was like okay we can make this happen we'll figure it out and so i went to northwestern i enjoyed my time there and i came home again i'm dating myself Mm -hmm. the summer of 2001 Mm -hmm. and so we all know what happened in the fall of 2001 so while i was Searching for a job, trying to find my first TV news job, you know, the world changed on 9 yeah. 11. And so I found myself at home and um, I'd sent out like 80 tapes or something like that looking mm. for a job. I had had one job offer in Kirksville, Missouri for not enough money to basically pay for my gas to get there. Mm. And so I was sitting at home, I was working in a department store, and my mom was like, Ashley, go apply 
at Channel 6. That mm. was the station we watched. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, hot off being at Medill School of Journalism. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't just walk in there and get a job. I have to go pay my dues at some small market. Mm-hmm. And she said, girl, take yourself down there <laughs> and see if they will give you a job. That's where her pragmatism came in, though. Once again. There you go. Story of my life. Nice. So I did. I, you know, I went in and said, I'll take any job. And I took a part-time assistant producer job working the weekends, Mm -hmm. running tapes back when they still had tapes. Mm -hmm. And I just worked my way up. Mm -hmm. I worked every weekend. I came in early, stayed late. When there was an opportunity to write a story for the main anchor, I said, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, "Mm, little girl, not sure you can. And I said, oh, no, no, I really can. And I wrote the story. And the next day they were like, okay, let's talk to you about being maybe a field producer for our anchor team. And so I literally worked my way up into being a nightside reporter on Mm -hmm. camera, covering child and welfare issues, a lot of education. My mom is a teacher. And so I had grown up in schools. And so I covered schools. Mm -hmm. The man who interviewed me to go to Northwestern University at the time was the public information officer for Tulsa Public Schools. Mm -hmm. So I learned very early on the power of sources and the power of relationships. And that's what I did for almost 10 years. Wow. So there's so many ways I want to go with this next. Um, Let me pick a way. So let's go back to the man who spoke into your life and said, I want you to be on a debate team. Uh, Let's just talk about the power of like someone opening up the next season of your life. Like you don't know what's next. You don't know where you want to go. You're in a brand new school. You're trying to figure out what's next for me. And just talk a little bit about like, what that feels like to have someone unlock the next, your next season. I mean, I think that I have been very, very privileged in my life. And that's one of the privileges that I count is that I've always had teachers, instructors, leaders Mm -hmm. who have seen something in me and opened a door for me and and pointed me in a direction. And I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. I was on the board of a charter school. I, I still spend a lot of time in classrooms because I love students and I love the opportunity that education provides. Mm -hmm. And I always try to take a moment with someone and say, you're special. Mm -hmm. You can do something. Whatever that kid has, a little bit of a spark up, I try to nurture that because I just feel like that's been the difference in my life. Mm -hmm. If anybody at any one point, and there was a point, Mm -hmm. I was in my freshman English class and it it was freshman English. She was an older woman teacher. And she was at the chalkboard back when we still had chalkboards. Mm -hmm. And she had written the word disarray. And she said, disarray means to be neat and orderly. And I, being the smart bleepity bleep kid Mm -hmm. that I was, raised my hand. I was like, I don't think that's what it means. (laughs) And she like never forgave me for that moment. Mm. And so at the end of that course, that teacher said, I wanted to go on to advanced composition, which was, I think it was the accelerated course, Mm -hmm. you know, not the basic course, but the accelerated course. And she told me, oh, I don't think you're ready for that. Mm. Now, if that teacher had been the only teacher I'd had, the only teacher that said, no, not for you. My life would have been totally different. If I hadn't taken all those English courses, there's no way I would have gotten into journalism school. Right. Right. And so that was this this crossroads that mm-hmm. I had. Mm-hmm. And so I always think about that moment when I'm talking to students. I always try to identify something. And by students, I mean everybody who's learning. When yeah. I talk to the startup founders that were advising, mm-hmm. you know, I took a moment to identify two young women in the Act Tulsa 
cohort. And mm-hmm. I still make a, make a point of talking to them every time I see them because I see something in them. Yes. I know what they can be. Right. And I just want them to see it too. Wow. And I think when, when people who are senior to you, when adults in your life say, you can do this, it has such an impact on the trajectory of someone's life. Powerful. So let's segue to how did you how did you get from newscasting? You you've worked your way up. You put all this all this energy in. You're, you're you know you're 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 kicking butt and taking names, and now you are leading an effort building Tulsa. How well, how what was the link to that? It was a circuitous road. <laughs> <laughs> Well, life is not linear, right? No, it isn't. And I think what's so interesting is, you know, Build in Tulsa is about empowering entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's about cultivating the startup culture within Black Tulsa and Black America. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how often we don't realize how much startup culture we have in each and, each and every one of us. Correct. And we don't realize that that entrepreneurism truly runs through our veins mm-hmm. and we don't recognize it for the power that it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in some ways, my life has been leading to this moment even though it doesn't really seem like it. But I was the girl with my little sister who had every kind of business you want to think of Mm -hmm. during the summer on her front driveway. There you go. From selling lemonade to selling friendship bracelets Mm -hmm. to, I mean, we always had some sort of business that we were up to. And my mom was like, as long as they're on the driveway, they're fine. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) But after 10 years in the news, you know, it's a hard job. It's difficult. Yeah. And I loved storytelling. I really did. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to tell the next chapter of the story. Wow. I didn't want to end with tragedy. I wanted to talk about what happens next. Mm-hmm. And so I got the opportunity to do a story about a young man who had a nonprofit organization in Tanzania, East Africa. Mm-hmm. The story of those girls, the story of resilience. These were girls who were partially orphaned or completely orphaned mm-hmm. and that had no they just didn't have a lot of options in mm, life. Yeah. But they were super resilient, beautiful, happy children. And I just thought if these kids who by comparison can have this kind of joy and this kind of drive in their life, mm-hmm. like this is the story I want to tell. This is what I want people to to see that that Tanzania means. It means this resilience and this joy and and that finding opportunity when you may not see it. Mm-hmm. And so I start, started telling that story and by at the end of it, I just asked for money. So that's how I transitioned <laughs> into fundraising. As I told these beautiful stories, nice. just like I'd been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah. But at the end of it, I said, and you can make this story happen again for mm-hmm. another child mm-hmm. if you give X amount of dollars. Right. So I, I did fundraising for the next five years in um, two different organizations in Tanzania, East Africa. Mm-hmm. I'd always kept my, my local obligations. I served on boards. I volunteered. Mm-hmm. I always kept my foot in the door here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. But my professional... Work was really more of an international basis. I traveled around the country, you know, raising money for this organization. Mm -hmm. About six years in, I decided I really wanted to devote my professional time to my, closer to my backyard, to mm-hmm. to my city of Tulsa. And so I went, I worked at Iron Gate for the last three years, mm-hmm. feeding the hungry and yeah. helping the, the food insecure get groceries. It was a really important thing to do during the pandemic. <laughs> and then I got a call from our friend, Ken Levitt, at the mm-hmm. George Kaiser Family Foundation that said, and you know, it's always not going to go the way you think it is when it's like, I'm not trying to steal you, yeah. but... <laughs> Yeah. But you are a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And he told me about what they wanted to do. And he told me about the wanting to honor the the legacy of Black Wall Street mm-hmm. and wanting to really empower and develop 
local black entrepreneurs. And I couldn't say no to that. I yeah. loved my job. I still love <laughs> Iron Gate. I still love I think it's essential to to feed people and yeah. to provide people access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't say no to really reinvigorating that spirit that created Black Wall Street. And mm. and so here I am with Bills in Tulsa. Wow, that's powerful. So let's get into uh, the origin of Building Tulsa uh, a little bit. What what is it? What what was the impetus for of Building Tulsa? Well, for me personally, I always like to talk about being a sophomore in high school at mm. Booker T. Washington High School, which mm -hmm. is one of the best schools in the state, right? And a legacy um, African American school. Mm -hmm. And in my Oklahoma history book, there was a paragraph, a three sentence paragraph about about the Tulsa race riot, as it was called at the time. Mm. And I never forget that. My my parents made sure that I knew what Black Wall Street was, mm -hmm. but even they didn't explain it in a way that really recognized that, you know, this was, we had more Black millionaires than anywhere else in the country mm -hmm. back in 1920, mm -hmm. 1921. We filed patents at the same rate as white people mm -hmm. in the 20s. And that's the part of the Black Wall Street story that I really focus on is that is our legacy. Mm -hmm. That is who we are as a people. Yeah. And that is what I really want to tap into again. And so the purpose of, of Build in Tulsa is really to set up the infrastructure that creates that multi-generational Black wealth. Mm. It's Black wealth that that ran through this city in the 20s, and we think that it can can do that again. So we are really focusing our work around a three accelerator pipeline. Mm -hmm. And the whole point is that these accelerators would kind of meet entrepreneurs wherever they are in their entrepreneurial journey. So if you are early, early stage in ideation, there would be a program for you. If you are a more established business with a revenue stream, there's a program for you. And they all would couple um, providing human capital, social capital, and financial capital to provide breakout success for these entrepreneurs. Okay, wonderful. What role do you envision building Tulsa playing in the Tulsa ecosystem and the and the broader national eco you know national scene at large? I really want building Tulsa to help galvanize the tech ecosystem around inclusion and representation. Mm. So I really want it to play a role that no matter the other programs in town, mm -hmm. we help bring that voice of inclusion and representation to the table. Okay. So that no matter the program that comes along, we're there to make sure that Black entrepreneurs, Brown entrepreneurs, underrepresented entrepreneurs have a place, mm -hmm. have access to the ecosystem. I think that there's a lot of wonderful things happening in Tulsa right now. Mm -hmm. We There is an energy in our city. Yeah. There are lots of programs. There are lots of ways for you to elevate yourself, your family, your business. Not enough people know about them. True. If Building Tulsa can be the door mm -hmm. that cracks open the ecosystem, that's what I'm here for. I want native Tulsans to feel like they have access and a place at the table that they can tap into that entrepreneurial spirit that that truly runs through their veins and make a success of their life. I also want Tulsa, once again, we're the epicenter of Black wealth in this country. Mm -hmm. We can be that again. I want folks who live in Cincinnati and Atlanta and Miami and Kansas City to yeah. be like, I want to get to Tulsa mm -hmm. because that's where opportunity lives. Now, being a native Tulsan, can you talk a little bit about how Tulsa has changed over the last decade like what talk about you know the decade the, 20 years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tulsa is continuing to evolve. And I think that there's such an opportunity right now because we're in this moment in our history where there's other industries that are bubbling up that mm-hmm. we can actually own. Yeah. And I want to make sure that 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 Black Tulsans and Black people have a piece of that. Mm. I also think that there are Tulsa is a very small town, small, big town, yes. <laughs> big, small town. Yeah. But there tends to be some silos. It is. And if and if you're in the know, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the know, you, you have, have a clue. no idea. Yeah. And so for me, Building Tulsa is smashing silos and building bridges. We want to make sure. Wait, I like that. Where is the horn? Do, do, do. <laughs> I like that. You said smashing silos, silos and, and building, building bridges. bridges. <laughs> That's a tagline. You go, girl. Okay. I truly believe that because okay. I think that if more people knew, if they had that access piece yeah. to what's happening in the city, yeah. it would be a game changer. Mm-hmm. It would be a game changer for so many people. Yeah. It's like the speech and debate coach that says, hey, you need to be on this team. Mm. That's what I want to be doing. Mm. It's like, hey, you need to be on this team. And this team is at Build in Tulsa. This team is at Act Tulsa. This mm. team is at Lightship. Yeah. This team is at Techstars. Yeah. This team is at Tulsa Innovation Labs. Yeah. I mean, this team is at Atento. Mm-hmm. You need to be on this team. And we'll all be better for it. Wow, that's powerful. Let's look at 2025. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do you see built, building Tulsa 25? Where do you see Tulsa 2025? Where do you see Ashley 2025? Hopefully Ashley has discovered work-life balance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good thing. Uh-huh. In 2025, I hope that Build in Tulsa is has established accelerators mm-hmm. that has really developed a um, a solid pipeline that leads to deal flow for mm-hmm. Black venture. Mm-hmm. That we become like the center of innovation, Black innovation mm-hmm. in the country. So the the conferences that we hold, the summits that we hold, yeah. we are beating back the doors, trying to um, accommodate everybody that wants to be here. That we have cultivated and developed businesses that are thriving, that are hiring, that hopefully we have some that have some potential big exits. But but that we are not only looking at the dollar amounts developed, but the jobs developed, the families changed. That we have really created um, an and a ladder into the upper class here in Tulsa. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about the energy during Centennial and the events that you all threw and along with Atento Capital and other players in the ecosystem. Like just just speak to a moment about the energy that was in the city during the Centennial and also during the VC the Black VC summit you all just had. I think that that is one of the beautiful things that we have been able to do. Mm-hmm. We are leveraging our place in Black history Mm. and in the country to really invite others into our city and to learn about who we were and who we are Mm. and who we want to be. Mm. And so we are really, you know, the the cut line for the Black Venture Summit was connecting the history of Black Wall Street to the future of Black wealth. Mm. To me, that is so huge, is for us to use that as a launch pad that Black Wall Street isn't a history lesson, it's a blueprint. Yes. And that we're using that to really galvanize the community and that people have responded. I mean, 
Tulsa is a great little city. It, it actually is. Yeah. You know, we're a best kept secret. Mm-hmm. And for folks who finally get here and learn a little bit about our history, meet our people. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a special thing. Not everybody is going to move here and right. that's OK. Right. But for them to go back and have a better idea mm-hmm. of what Tulsa is. Yeah. I think is very important Absolutely, for them to want to come and and share their time and talent. That's also very important Mm -hmm. for those who maybe just want to invest in our businesses, invest in, you know, more black people owning a piece of the American dream. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. And I think that when you bring a lot of people together that have very similar ideas of what our city could be and what our future could be, it's it's inspiring. It's energizing and it makes you want to go to work. What would be a, an ideal candidate for building Tulsa and what would be the ideal outcome for that candidate after going through building Tulsa programming? That's a really tough question, Aaron, because I think that I don't want to operate in ideals. I want to <laughs> okay. operate in reality. Okay. And, and I, want, I want to, even if all the, the building Tulsa programs are not perfect for a person. Mm-hmm. We really want to develop on ramps and off ramps for the ecosystem. Okay. And so an on ramp into, you know, Act Tulsa might be appropriate for one entrepreneur and not appropriate for another. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't want to let the one that it's not the perfect fit for just let them float in the ether. That's, we yeah. want to make sure that they have a place with one of our other partners. Right. And so again, Smashing silos, building bridges. We're building bridges to other programs, even if we're not the best fit for you. And so I think that's an important element. And so I try to steer a little bit away from ideals because it's like everybody will have a place or everybody should have a path, even if they don't have a place in the Build in Tulsa you know, accelerator pipeline. That being said, I think someone who is driven, has an idea, mm-hmm. believes in themselves, is coachable has a, a, a tech-enabled business or a tech-focused business. Mm-hmm. But really, that's window dressing. People invest in people, right? True. And, and startups are about the founder. Mm-hmm. So if that person is driven and bright and coachable and willing to do whatever it takes to make their business idea come to fr- fruition, that's the person we want. What are some of the barriers that you are currently facing with Building Tulsa? Or maybe not barriers, but what are some some concerns as Building Tulsa is growing and becoming more and more the place to go for, for black and brown founders? What are some things that you're noticing? I think that it's what I was talking about before is mm-hmm. making sure you have those, those off-ramps and those on-ramps. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're a new initiative, you're so focused on the big win right. that you're not looking at the big picture. Yeah. And so I want to make sure, like we're having a female founders pitch night this week. Yeah. And we have some really great women that will be pitching their companies. Ina is one of our judges. And so I'm really excited about that. But I'm equally excited that the six people who were not picked to pitch for the competition mm-hmm. are still getting to do a showcase of their business. Right. To me, that's, that's important. Yeah. That even a if you are not win. quite. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you're not quite ready to pitch, maybe you're not quite venture backable. Yeah. There's still an opportunity to showcase your business, mm-hmm. an opportunity to engage in future programming, an opportunity to receive some coaching so that maybe the next time you will be. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we can funnel you into a program that's more appropriate for your business. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is being able to build enough bridges, build enough off-ramps, build enough on-ramps to, to make that really work. I, that, that's a challenge. 
And then I do think that there there's a little bit of skepticism in the community about, you know, what what is built in Tulsa and what can we really do? What can we really get accomplished? And I think the proof has always been in the pudding. And so the more that we can elevate female founders, the more that we can enroll folks in accelerator programs, the more that we can get people funding for their companies, real money. You know, one of the Build in Tulsa accelerator partner companies just closed a $1.35 million fundraising round. Woo! Put in the horn there. Here we go. So one of the Build in Tulsa accelerator entrepreneur um, companies, Bottle, just closed a $1.35 million fundraising round. Wow. Congratulations, I, Clarence and Edna. Wonderful. And they're st- such a wonderful company, a yes. wonderful two couple, co- couple yeah. co-founders. Yeah. Um, but this is what we're talking about. This is building a pipeline. Mm-hmm. This is making sure that they went through an accelerator program. They got some additional support in terms of their kind of human capital. We're helping provide that social capital, introducing them to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. and. They're getting follow-on funding from, you know, Lightship Capital, another member of the Accelerator Pipeline. So yeah. this is the kind of response that we'd like to see. We, you bring them in. Atento helps bring them in. Mm-hmm. Ex- Act Tulsa helps accelerate them. Mm-hmm. Lightship helps fund them and also counsel them. And they're off to the races. Yeah. And so we would like to see more of those. And, and to me, that's what, once people start to see that, that the, the skepticism will abate when they see that. There's real education happening. There's real networking happening. And there's real money that comes with it. How do we best keep in touch with you, keep aware of the, the movement? How do people join and support the movement? Just talk a little bit about that for a moment. Absolutely. Well, um, we're going to be on a big push in 2022 to increase our programming. So, you know, sign up for our newsletter at buildintulsa.com. Um, and you'll stay informed of all of the programming that we will be having. We're going to try to do a startup school. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some more programming, programming around female founders. Mm-hmm. Again, we're going to try to get all of our accelerators up and running, hopefully bringing tech stars into the fold. And so there's a lot of things coming in 2022. Mm-hmm. I think also we're going to have a big push for recruiting mentors and advisors. Mm-hmm. We want to have a, a robust and diverse source of mentorship. And so that we can really match people according to need and sector. And so please sign up for our newsletter and we will be reaching out to you or follow us on social and we will be reaching out to you to see if you might have some expertise that you can share with someone else. Again, I go back to that speech and debate, Coach. Um, You could be that for someone. You can point them in the right direction. You could say... This is here's a path and, and let me light the way for you. And and so I think that's a big push in, in 2022. And we'd love to, to have you come build with us. Powerful. Ashley, thank you so much for your time. This has been absolutely delightful. And we look forward to, to working with you and helping you to build this whole movement together. Wonderful work you're doing. Kudos to you. Congratulations. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely.